Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. You know, many years ago, I, Missy and I have, we have so many stories from the mission field. It's just, it's, uh, it's such a different world that it's just easy to pull stories from there. And, you know, we were, we were out remote in some, I don't even know where, in the middle of absolute nowhere, some sort of desert-like place with big tumbleweeds and weird-looking stuff. And not a soul in sight for, for miles and miles. And my beautiful wife started dancing. And I don't mean like to the Holy Spirit. I mean more like, <laughs> like, I got to go to the bathroom so bad, this is tragic. You know, it, it's not like, oh, it's no, pro- it's no big deal, just head down to the mall. They've got a public restroom. No, we're in the middle of literally nowhere. But the good news is I'm a guy, so I know how to handle that, <clears throat> right? I mean, what do guys do when you're in the middle of nowhere and you've got to go, right? Go wherever you want. And so I encouraged her. I said, babe, listen, so look at this tall weeds over there. I said... You know, go behind one, one of the, sorry, it's a rock. Apparently my story is a little off. So just feel free to interject while we're live streaming anytime you want. That's great. <laughs> so apparently there was a rock, you know, Jesus was standing over there. I said, go hide behind Jesus, you know? And so, you know, she's got to go so bad that she, she finally, she did. I said, look, nobody's going to see you. You're behind this big rock. It's fine. Go over there. I'm telling you no sooner than she dropped trowel behind that big old rock did this great big military truck full of men come. And next thing you know, they're, I can't whistle, but, you know, they're, they're hooting and hollering like, woo, woo. I thought, okay, well, you know, my wife now hates me. Never going to be able to live this one down. Yeah, I'm never going to be able to encourage her to do anything out of the box ever again, you know. Like, this is wonderful, you know. The moral of the story is this, somebody's always watching. (laughs) You know, somebody is is always watching. Now, to get serious for a moment, if somebody's always watching, then that means you and I have a responsibility to model Jesus, right? And Pastor Misty last week posed that question to us to say, when we're in the middle of walking through our trials, when we're in the middle of walking through something that's difficult, as people are observing the way that we handle that, is their faith being ignited? Are they going, yeah, like I can do this too? Or are you taking them down with you because of your bad attitude? Boy, that's a great question. Boy, that's a great question. People are watching. We have a responsibility to them. You think about this. We only at any given moment are seeing a sliver of the reality of our situation. She talked about this via the illustration of the moon, right? Seeing the crescent moon versus the whole moon, right? When you see the crescent, you know that there's still a whole moon there, right? You just can't see it. At any given moment, depending on, not depending on anything, at any given moment uh, with what we're facing in life, we, we, we really genuinely are only seeing a sliver. Even if we think we're seeing the whole thing, we're not. We're just not. Because our singular perspective is not enough to, to, to excavate the whole picture of everything that's happened, especially when you consider that God operates in the unseen realm. He's on the other side of the moon. <laughs> at any given moment, we're not seeing the full picture. And that means that at, that at any given moment in the Christian life, you and I are actually having to walk by faith and not by sight. 
right? In everything that we do, if, if, I, if I'm not seeing the whole picture ever, then as a Christian, it's, it, it's, it's mandated by heaven that, that I'm walking in faith, that I'm stepping into trust with him all the time because I don't have an accurate assessment of what's happening ever. I'm only ever seeing a little slice. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's our charge, isn't it? In other words, we can't ever trust our eyes. Our eyes give us some indicator, but at the end of the day, we're required by God to step into a place where we're believing without seeing, where we're saying, no, I, I, I trust that you're moving. I, I trust that this is happening. I, I trust that this is going to get resolved. I trust that you have my best in mind. I don't have to see it. In fact, I'm committed that I don't have to see it. Like I, I'm committed to step into it without respect to what I can see with my eyes, to what I can discern, what I can get myself around tangibly. I walk by faith and not by sight. I told you a couple of weeks ago that I, that I have often struggled with the, with the character of God or really my assessment of the character of God, particularly as it relates to the way that we assess the character of man. Now, if you remember, if, the character of, of another human being, they, they either do something or, or they don't, right? And so uh, it's based on their word, it's based on their, their actions. If you tell me you're going to show up and then you don't show up, right, and you do that three times in a row, right? And so you can see, it's, so it's, it's, it's very straightforward. But issue number one with us assessing God's character was the reality that at any given moment we can see right. That at any given moment, my perspective is out of whack. And if my perspective can be out of whack, in other words, I'm expecting that God would do a certain thing, say a certain thing, you know, manifest himself in a certain way. But if I, my expectations are wrong, if they're not consistent with what God is actually doing, then I can wrongly judge God. And immediately I find out that the way that I discern or the way that I build trust with human beings is different than the way that I build trust with God. And the way that I build trust with God, first and foremost, is that I excavate the truth from the Word. I have to go after the Word of God to create a foundation, a baseline, for me to even get to a point, place where I can understand what I'm seeing around me. Right? It starts with the Word of God. It's not the actions of God because we misinterpret the actions of God because we don't understand the Word of God. The baseline for understanding God and for getting our perspective right is found in the Word. But, but how many of you know that's not the only variable at play? Or I could even say that's not the only barrier at play in us getting answers to our prayers. Truly, the list could go on, but I, I have one last thing highlighted for you. So it's not just that our expectations get out of whack. It's also that that my expectations of God, or rather uh, Him showing up in my life, or the breakthrough that I'm looking for, is largely tied to faith. Now, listen, I'm going to be the first one to tell you I don't like this part. Because if my breakthrough is tied to faith, uh, then that means it's tied to me. See, and this is where it gets a little bit sticky in our relationship with God, and again, where it's in contrast 
to human beings. You know, I can, I can believe that you're going to show up all I want to, you know, we, we've got a coffee appointment set, and I'm just believing in faith that Todd's going to show up. It's 30 minutes late, but Lord Jesus, I'm just believing in faith that he's going to show up. It's not probably going to do anything for the human being at all. You're either going to show up or you're not. My, my belief in whether you're going to show up is irrelevant. But not so in the kingdom. Uh, not so with, with God. And, and so the grand question that we have to wrestle with is kind of like, like how much of our experience is, is like the sovereignty of God in our life? Where, and what I mean by that, to give that a clear definition, God's going to move no matter what I do or what I say. His will's going to be done no matter what I do or what I say. It's God after all. He's a God of all of creation. And he put Jesus on the cross at the exact right point in time of history at the fullness of time. And he prophesied it years and years before. And, you know, and God's going to move sovereignly with or without me. It doesn't matter. His will's going to be done. How much of my life is expressed in that? And how much of my life is expressed in this place where he's actually limiting his will being done in my life to my partnership? <laughs> That's the question, isn't it? How much are you going to do with or without me? And how much are you going to limit because I didn't partner with you? <sighs> Our results are often tied to faith. Even when they're promised. How many of you know there are a lot of promises in Scripture? And, and this is where we get in trouble in our relationship with God because we go, no, you promised this. It, it, says, it says right there that it's, a, that it's a promise, but I don't understand why you, why you didn't show up. I don't understand why you didn't do. Like the Bible says you're not a man that you should lie, and yet your Bible says you promised this, and I, I didn't get that. I don't understand God, and we can get derailed, and it's a process that if it happens enough times, we get to a point where we just don't trust God for anything. And again, as I said a couple of weeks ago, we're derailed, stationary, decommissioned. You're not going to move forward if you don't trust God, and you're not going to trust God if you don't have right understanding of the way that He operates. And with that, I wonder how many times we have gone into something and we didn't get what we thought that God was going to give us. And we actually didn't have faith, we had a, a wish. And then when we get through that with our wish and it doesn't come true, blew out the candles, and it didn't come true, I wonder how many of us malign God in the way I've just described. You said, I can't trust you. Like, I'm never going to step out on the water again. I sank when I did that. I just, I wonder, think back over your life. Think about something that you thought was going to happen were you really standing in faith that God was going to do this thing? Or were you standing on a wish? And when the wish didn't come true, did you blame God? Or did you look at your own contribution? Boy, I think more often than not, we blame God. And, and, and this is the place where I think that the sovereignty of God becomes a scapegoat for us. Because if there's a place in my life that God's inviting me into whereby His will isn't accomplished unless I show up with Him, right? Like, if, if that's a real thing, 
than for us to kind of go, well, God doesn't show up. I guess God's going to do whatever God wants to do and no skin off my back, whatever. It's an excuse for me not to press in to build history with God and to build my own faith. It's an excuse for me to go, well, I don't have to do anything. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just sit back on the couch because God's either going to do it or God won't do it. Does that make sense? It, it, becomes a, it becomes a scapegoat that actually eliminates my partnership. Now, obviously, I'm here to tell you it's both. It's both. God's going to do what God wants to do with or without you, and God won't do some stuff without you. And you know, sometimes it, God's will is, is plainly before us, but because we don't have faith, we don't step into it, and then it gets forfeited and passed to the next generation. So was God's will ultimately done? Yeah, by the next person who finally said yes. If it didn't happen in your life, I don't know about you, but I'd like everything to happen in my generation. I remember the first time I started hearing somebody talk about multi-generational ministry, I was like, I was young, you know, I didn't, multi-generational, I'm, like, I'm going to do it all my generation. It was a multi-generation, I don't, you know, I don't care about the next people. Gen Z and millennials, pff, forget that stuff. I'm going to knock it out in my generation. Like, what do you mean building something for the next? So, you, so I'm going to have to run slower now because I got these other people? <laughs> How many of you know God's a multi-generational God? <laughs> but what he's not doing is inviting you into a lackadaisical Christianity that, that, that forfeits the reality of what he wanted to do in your generation so that the next generation has to pick it up. That's not what he means by multi-generational. What he means by multi-generational is I'm going to run as hard as I can run every day of my life until the very last breath so that they can run further than I get to run. That's multi-generational. And you can't do it apart from faith. So that's the question. So then what happens when we don't have faith? The Bible has something to say about that. James chapter 1. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask with faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the man, that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double, a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, I know we're talking about wisdom, but, but let me take a minute just to get there. Does God want you to have wisdom? So the answer is a clear yes, right? Does God want you to have wisdom? Yes, he does. Uh, so it's God's will. Is that fair? So God wants you to have wisdom. It's God's will for you to have wisdom. Is wisdom available to you? Yes, wisdom is available to you. Here it says it very clearly that wisdom is available, but notice that it's not automatic. So it's God's will that you actually receive and walk in wisdom. It's available to you. He's holding it loosely before you like this, but he's expecting your partnership in it. It's not automatic. His will isn't just immediately accomplished. You actually have to show up. You actually have to apprehend it by faith. You have to believe on him. You have to put your faith out there. You have to take an action step like, God, yes, I believe. 
I believe you. I take you at your word. So what happens if you don't? Well, let that guy not expect to receive anything at all. Man, that's, that's a hard word. And, and I know that faith gets a bad rap because we've got all kinds of negative things to say about every sort of movement and denomination on the planet. So word of faith now is, is, is the target on this particular one. No, you guys are just abusing it. Everything's about faith. Well, it kind of ties everything back to faith here. We all right? Don't ask for God. Don't ask for anything unless you got faith for it, because you're not like you're gonna get it. That's a hard pill to swallow. And God is so generous and so kind with this. I don't know how many times I have been a wishful thinker and he showed up anyway because he's just that good. But listen, this is, this is giving us a roadmap here. If my, if my default is wishful thinking, I'm not going to get the results that I'm seeking apart from the occasional miraculous generosity of, generosity of God. So faith can derail the answers to our prayers. How do we know how to, how do we how, how do we know what to sink our teeth into? The word of God. How do we know who God is and, and what he's gonna do and whether he'll show up or not? The word of God. You're never gonna have faith unless you crack the binding of your Bible, because hearing comes by faith and faith by the, the word. The word of God. You're never going to know what to set your sights on. And we remember from a couple of weeks ago, we, we, can, we can set our sights on certain things, but our expectations should come in alignment with the Word. Like the reason that I even set my sights on something is because I found it in the Word, and I'm standing in faith because it says right there in the text, this is what I can expect for. And so now I am expecting for a certain particular outcome. I am looking for that, but what I'm doing is, I, uh, like what I'm actually expecting is actually cultivated by my understanding of the Word. Like it has to all draw from draw its life from the word. Outside of that, it's just presumption. Outside of that, I cannot expect to receive anything from God because I'm I'm presuming that He wants to do something when I can't really stand on faith because I don't really know. Is this making sense? Hebrews eleven six says this. That without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. We know the righteous live by faith. We know that we walk by faith. We, not, we walk by faith and not by sight. Now we know that it's impossible to please God apart from faith. It sounds like maybe the word of faith guys had a few things right. Benny Hinn gets some things right too. John MacArthur gets some things right too. Oh, now I got you. <laughs> Sean Benson gets some things right once in a while. Why does God tie so much to faith? Why does he tie it to faith? I, I don't know. I, if I had designed it, I'd have just created you a bunch of robots and made you do what I wanted you to do. Why, why does he tie it to faith? I, I think the sentiment of it is tied to that 
Stephanie Gretzinger song that we just sang this morning. You don't hide yourself to tease me. You haven't tied this life and, and the results of prayer, like getting results in the place of prayer and intercession. You haven't, t- you, haven't, you haven't tied it to faith to torture me. You haven't tied it to faith because you really don't want to give me the answer. Think about that. God's not the dangler of the perpetual carrot in front of you. He really does want to answer your prayers. He really does want to give you the desires of your heart. Why has he tied it so much to faith? I think I can identify at least one reason. Because there's nothing quite like it to pull us out of our malaise. You know, without faith, I'd probably never get off the couch. I'd never do anything. I'd never accomplish anything for God. Why? Because that's the path of least resistance. How many of you like, like buffeting your body and torturing yourself and doing miserably painful things? Okay, so nobody. All right, good. Glad we got that established, right? Nobody would do it. We would never step out and take the risk. We would never do big things from God. Like, I, I believe that part of the reason why he's tied it to that is because he knows that our nature is prone to just go on, let's float through this thing. Let's just, let's just get on the coaster autopilot mode because that's way easier than having to step out and do these things. Why don't you just do that, God? You do those big, cool things and you know, we'll just play Xbox. I had a hard day at work. You need to check out. Any movies on Redbox? I, I think it's the, it's the thing that pulls us out of our malaise. It, it pulls us into partnership with him. Now, think about it in, in terms of like uh, revelation. Why doesn't God just tell us everything? You know, dude, it's like, hook me up to the matrix. Give me the Christian download. Oh, that's how you spoke and created the world. Thank you for that knowledge. Just plug me in. Just give me the download. Why doesn't he do that? I say, yes, Lord, and you're saved. And oh, now I know some stuff. This is amazing. Right? I, I wish it was like that. You know what I mean? I'd love to know jujitsu and a couple of other things. But of course, then you guys would know it. And it probably wouldn't work out so great anymore you know i'd have to copyright that one no that's for me i'm gonna beat people up yes in jesus name of course you know why why doesn't he hook us up and give us the download of knowledge because his kingdom is different than that like think about it again in terms of revelation knowledge the word it's the worst word in the bible it says it's the glory of god to what conceal a matter He's not concealing it to torture us. It's the glory of kings to search it out. Now, I don't like that scripture, but it is in the book. And it does illustrate the principle of the kingdom and the principle that we're now talking about, that God requires partnership from you and from me. He requires it. If you're going to do anything for God, You're going to have to step into faith. You're going to have to step out of the boat. You're going to have to step into the place of trust. You're going to have to crack the binding of your Bible so that you have a foundation to know what you even set your teeth in and sink your faith into. You're going to have to go after him. You're going to have to develop history with him and trust. You're going to have to set up memorial stones on the highway of your life so that you can look back and go, yes, God met me there. Yes, God met me there. Yes, that didn't look like he delivered me, 
but he delivered me from all. Remember the Apostle Paul? That stone didn't feel good to my face, but he delivered me from all. I live to fight another day and I'm stronger because of it. My God is for me. It requires faith. Faith is one of the biggest things that can derail our process. How many of you know that laziness and apathy are not virtues of the kingdom? You know, it says observe the ants, right? Laziness and apathy are not virtues of the kingdom. The, the guy who was the steward of talents, by the way, that's everybody in this room, who, who chose to disengage from life because he feared his master, who, in other words, went and played Xbox on the couch and didn't do anything. He didn't exercise his faith. He didn't step into the place of risk with God, right? It didn't go very well for that guy. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is worthy of the pursuit. Jesus is worthy of you cracking the binding of your Bible on the regular and going deep after the Word. You know, I read a statistic here recently. They said that you have a a, a significant measure of breakthrough when you read the Bible once or twice in a week. A little bit more when you read three. A little bit more when you read five. Excuse me, when you read four. But when you read the Bible five days out of the week, They said there's exponential increase over your life, exponential blessing that that depression like cuts in half. I don't remember the exact stat on it, the exact percentages, but it was like depression and all these things that people battle all over the place. They were cut exponentially when you actually stepped up to the plate and cracked the binding of your Bible five times in a given week. Can I just encourage you that Jesus is worthy of the pursuit? Can I encourage you to say that, that getting the word of God on the inside of you, like Joshua is at 1.8, like don't let this word come out of your mouth, but meditate it on it, meditate on it day and night. Meditate on this thing day and night, like in, in this word you'll have success. When you get this word on the inside of you, when you allow this word to go behind you and gird and strengthen you and to go before you and to create a highway for you, like you will have success. It's worthy of it. Your life and your relationships are worthy of the pursuit. They're worthy of you of getting off the couch. They're worthy of you of shutting off the TV. Like He's worthy of the pursuit and the fruit that you bear on the inside of you. It's worth it. It's worth it. He's worth it. Your relationships, they're worth it. Having the sword sharpened to address every issue of life and your shield of faith enlarged to capture and quench every fiery dart of the enemy. It is worth it. It's worth it. And this brings us to our kind of crowning scripture out of Jeremiah. In fact, it's the scripture that launched this entire series in my heart. Jeremiah 17 and 7. Listen to this. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but it leaves, excuse me, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield 
fruit. Now, it sounds initially to be a bit redundant. Blessed is the man, I want to read it, make sure I always get tongue-tied on it. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Blessed is the man who, who trusts in the Lord. I'm trusting in the Lord for a certain uh, outcome. I, I'm, I'm believing God that this certain thing is going to happen, that there's going to be breakthrough. And again, that breakthrough that I'm expecting for, that I'm believing God for, is actually coming from the foundation that I've laid in my daily time in the Word. So from the Word, I've excavated truth. So now I'm beginning to stand on the Word and believe God in faith for an expected outcome. My trust is in the Lord. But listen, when that when my expectations don't line up with that which I thought. I'm believing in faith. I saw it in the word. I have a, I have a certain preset expectation, but even then, I can still miss it. And even then, when I miss it, when I fall short of the expectation of the reality of what God was really wanting to do, my trust isn't in my circumstances. My trust isn't in a specific set of outcomes, a certain type of provision. My trust is in the Lord right? I'm trusting in him for a certain outcome. I'm believing him for a certain outcome. But when that doesn't happen, at the end of the day, my trust is Jesus. Because my circumstances cannot change who he is. Like I can feel like God didn't pay my light bill and thus wasn't a provider. But the fact that I feel like that and my circumstances look like that in the moment, don't make him any less of a provider. How many of you know that? He's not any less of a provider. How do I know that? Because his word says so. That means my expectation must have been off. That means there's something else. And this is where we have to go back to a debrief. Remember, we talked about this. God, my expectations were thus. I've reviewed the word again. You're Jehovah Jireh. You're the God who provides. I've got a future, and I hope this doesn't seem to line up with that. So help me understand what happened, God. Where were you in? What happened? My heart's right in it. I'm investigating because my trust is in the Lord. My trust wasn't in the provision. My trust is in the Lord. What does that mean? I mean, he's still for me. That didn't happen the way that I expected, but my trust is in you, not that stuff. My trust is in you, that you're for me. You're not against me, that we're going someplace. That you've got a, I've got a future and a hope, that you're, you're with me, you're strengthening me, your Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, that there's nothing that I can't face together with you. We'll climb every mountain. We'll go as far as we can go, but we're going to do it together. You're with me. You're strengthening me. You're giving me resolve. You're actually igniting faith on the inside of me. You're doing something whether I see it or not because I walk by faith and not by sight and my faith is undergirded and launched from my foundation of the word and the word says that you are true, that you are right, that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are kind, that you are for me, that you're a good father. Not the kind of father that would abandon his son or his daughter, but the kind of God who would show up abundantly and extravagantly and if it didn't look like it in this situation there's something that i'm missing help me to see what i'm missing god because my trust is in you and you alone and when we can build this foundation in god we can do all things when we can build this kind of like foundation in god we can actually remain hopeful we can actually remain joyful. How many of you know sometimes those circumstances are not a day or two, they're months? John Mark, how many? He's in his extended months now season. And I've been there more than I can count. You know, those times when you're like, I know what you did say, 
and I don't hear you saying anything else, and I sure as heck don't see anything happening. And I don't know now what you're doing. I thought I did, but I no longer know what you're doing. But how many of you know it doesn't matter? Because my trust is in the Lord. Because no matter what he's doing, I know that it's for me. I know that it has my best in mind. I know that it has your best in mind. I know that he's advancing, that he never shrinks, he never pulls back, that he never misses a beat or a detail, that he's working actively and moving in ways that are so strategic. He's moving in whole moon ways. And how many of you know God's not just seeing a disc in the sky, he's seeing the entire ball. (laughs) Think about that from that illustration standpoint. That means that you and I never, ever see the moon, even when it's in its fullest state. We never see the whole thing. Not once, ever. Unless maybe, I don't know how it spins. Maybe over the course of 365, it spins and you get to see the whole thing. I don't know. We'll have to go back to the, what is it, astrologists? and Is that the right word? Astronomy? Astronomist. Yeah, well, you guys like those horoscopes. That's a joke for all of you unseasoned who don't really know the answer to that. That was a joke. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. At minimum, at minimum, we know this, that if things aren't turning out the way that we think that they should, that God is building character in us. And I know that sounds so lame. <laughs> Doesn't it? You're like, oh, okay, so character, I could do without that. <laughs> I, I would rather have sleep again or, you know, provision. Like, uh, character, I don't, I don't need that stuff. No, you do. You need what God's building in you. And this is where Pastor Misty said, and we have to ask him, what are you building in me in this? At minimum, when I don't understand, at minimum, when I've asked him and I still don't feel like I'm getting in the answer that I was looking for, at minimum, I can look back and I can still count it all joy because I know that he's working and I know that what's happening on the inside of me is actually building me and positioning me to win future battles, that it's building something in me that's causing me to win generational battles so that my kids don't have to do it, that it's building something on the inside of me that results in a promotion someday. If I can just remain to the end. Think of how many stories, how many sentences in the book of Revelation were, and if you're faithful till the end, then. And if you're faithful to the end, then. Over and over again, this is our opportunity to be faithful to the end and to do it with joy and to even sit back if you don't understand anything at all that's going on in your life and go, okay, God, I don't understand it, but I thank you in the midst of it that you're doing something mighty in me. And that's what I get to focus on. When I don't understand anything else, I know this. I know you're doing something mighty in me. And it's perfecting me. Look at James chapter 1, again in verse 4. It says, And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Remember our story from Isaac? Isaac was sowing in a famine. What kind of idiot would sow in a famine? One who's trusting God. One who's leaning on a word from the Lord, exercising his faith, and stepping out, not by what he sees with his eyes, but what he sees with his spirit. Remember when he got through that, that there was an upgrade on the other side? 
when he stepped out into his own journey of faith and he began even in this instance to sow when no other man would have been sowing, certainly not in the natural, that there was an upgrade on the other side. It says that God began to prosper and began to, to bless him after that. You, likewise, have an upgrade on the other side of your journey. Listen to the rest. I'm going to reiterate the rest of the scripture again out of Jeremiah. Listen to what it says. It says that you'll be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots to the stream. So when the famine comes, when, when hard times come into your life, when you put on this posture that we've been talking about before God, again, we're talking about how do you trust God in the storm. This is the whole recipe. Go back and listen to several weeks' worth. When you put on this posture before the Lord, he's saying that even if the resources look like they're drying up, and by the way, in a drought, they actually are. But they will not ruin you because you'll be like a tree who extends its roots to the stream. So in other words, you're actually going to stay alive and healthy in the midst of opposition if you keep your eyes fixed on the Savior. It says, you will not fear when the heat comes. When the heat comes, you get to go wow, that's really hot and things are kind of drying up and I may not understand, but God, I know you're getting ready to do something. <laughs> I know you've got a solution to problems and I know that you're working something in me and I know that you haven't abandoned me. And I know at the end of the day that this drought, it, while it may have some effect on my life, will not destroy me. That this opposition that I'm experiencing, it will not destroy me. My yes to you, God, is too big. It can't destroy me because I'm like a tree planted by the stream whose roots are being extended. I don't need to fear. It says, and our leaves will be green. So not only will I be drinking of water in the midst of the opposition season, in the midst of my wilderness or my drought season, not only will I be sustained in my life, I, I will also be healthy. How many of you know I have an opportunity in the midst of everything that's coming at me to actually rise above it and remain healthy if I posture my heart right? The moment that I get ugly and nasty and start fighting fire with fire, evil for evil, the moment that I, that I reduce myself to their level, or the moment that I, that I begin to, to step into a place of doubt and unbelief and I begin to malign God's character, how many of you know the leaves on the tree begin to shrivel? <clears throat> Blessed is the one whose trust is the Lord. Your leaves will be green no matter what you face. Now listen to this. You'll not be anxious in the year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. And the yielding of the fruit, I think, is your promotion. How many of you know there's actually a place in the Lord where no matter what's coming at you, you can not only remain green and healthy, but you can actually bear fruit in the troubled season. You can bear fruit in the troubled season. Isaac sowed in his field, and it says he reaped a hundredfold in the same year. How many of you know you can reap in the same year, the same year of trouble, in the midst of the stuff that's coming against you? Like There's actual breakthrough on resting in the Lord, on trusting Him, on remaining in the place of faith and saying, God, I have taken the time to establish a foundation of your character, of who you are through the Scriptures, through my daily reading of these Scriptures, such that now in this drought season that I can feel the heat of, you're not only sustaining me, but I'm continued to advance. And on the other side of this is 
a promotion. So hang in there. Don't quit fighting. Keep pressing in. It's worth it. Keep pressing in. He's worth it. And keep pressing in. The fruit in you is worth it. The fruit in your relationships is worth it. The promotion that you get in this next season, it's worth it. I don't know about you, but I don't need to go around the mountain another time. I want to go into the promised land. Father, this morning, that's what we ask. And we declare in consistent with what you're saying in the spirit over us, there's breakthrough right now. For every situation that is being faced right now, in this house and outside of this house, we declare breakthrough in Jesus' name. We trust you, God. We trust you, God. We trust that you are who you say you are. We trust that you'll do what you say you'll do. We trust that you're for us, that you're not against us. And if you're for us, (laughs) nothing can stand against us. Nothing can prevail over us. We dedicate ourselves to keeping our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher. We keep our eyes fixed on you. Our trust is in you, God, and you alone. Not in circumstances, not in a certain preconceived outcome. Our trust is in you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.